You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Brett Summey, the Chief Resident in the Department of Dermatology at Drexel University College of Medicine in Philadelphia. Dr. Summey has a strong clinical interest in rheumatic skin diseases and the treatment of pruritus. Welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Dr. Summy, how do you define cutaneous lupus? Well, I think that all of your listeners as primary care docs are familiar with systemic lupus erythematosus, which is a connective tissue disease that, simply stated, you have immune dysregulation. And because of that, your body makes autoantibodies to self-proteins and nucleic acids. In turn, these autoantibodies then can attack any organ system in the body one of which is the skin. Most doctors are very familiar with the bilateral malar erythematous rash or so-called butterfly rash that people get on their face with systemic lupus. However, there are some other dermatologic manifestations of lupus. In dermatology, we classify these as into really three categories, one of which is acute cutaneous lupus, which is the butterfly rash, and then the other two are subacute cutaneous lupus and chronic cutaneous lupus. Although it sounds by the name, the name of these categories that it has something to do with the chronicity of the lesions, but instead they're really classified based on their clinical appearance and distribution. How common is this? Well, the prevalence of systemic lupus erythematosus is approximately 50 per 100,000 persons, and almost of these people will develop the acute cutaneous lupus. Because of the variability in reporting other forms of cutaneous lupus, we really don't have a great idea on the exact number, but it's believed to be, at least in chronic cutaneous lupus, four times more common than acute. And how does it appear clinically? Acute cutaneous lupus, as I mentioned, you get most commonly a bilateral erythematous plaque on the cheeks, and it can involve the nasal bridge. You can also get in photo-distributed areas papules and red plaques on the extensor forearms and shoulders in the V distribution of the neck where the sun would see. For subacute cutaneous lupus, it can present also in photo-distributed areas. However, it tends to spare the central face, and you tend to get more scale with these lesions, and they can also look what we call polycyclical. So you get lesions that look like numerous circles that are connecting to each other. And then the last type, chronic cutaneous lupus, and these you get more thick, scaly areas, and unfortunately, this type is the form that that can scar and you can have a lot of disfiguring lesions. Is this a diagnosis that a primary care physician should be making? I would say yes, with a few caveats. For example, if a patient presents with butterfly rash, for example, and on history and physical exam, you determine that they have some other manifestations of lupus, uh, probably you're if they do make the diagnosis, the first referral will be to rheumatology, who will probably either concur with the diagnosis or make their own diagnosis. However, I would encourage that any primary care doctors out there to also consider referral to dermatology as well, because the rheumatology colleagues certainly do a very good job with managing lupus. However, 
many times managing the skin manifestations uh, require different treatment. And sort of on a different note, many times patients will be sent to rheumatologists and the rheumatologist said will say that their lupus is only localized to the skin and that essentially they don't have systemic lupus. And many times the primary care doctor will say, you're in luck, your lupus is only involving your skin. However, there is many things that we can do for these patients that will certainly make them a lot happier and make their cutaneous lupus much better. Now, do you use histopathology in making the diagnosis? Well, pathology is very important for the diagnosis of lupus. One of the great things about being a dermatologist and uh, being able to look at the skin is that you can see the disease and you can also, it's very easy to sample the disease. And so, you know, anytime that the diagnosis is in question and there is a cutaneous rash, simple enough to take a biopsy, and the histopathology of lupus is very classic, so uh, easy to make the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And any laboratory data? Each of the forms of lupus, you would get different laboratory results and serologies, but you know, if you were going to rule out, for example, a patient with a butterfly rash, the routine labs that you would check is an anti-nuclear antibody test, a complete blood chemistry, a urinalysis, and based on the findings of these results, you could then expand your laboratory testing. With patients with acute lupus, they're almost uniformly ANA positive, whereas subacute cutaneous lupus and chronic cutaneous lupus usually are not. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is dermatologist Dr. Brett Summy. We are discussing cutaneous lupus. And Dr. Summy, how do you treat cutaneous lupus? As I mentioned, there are three types, uh, the acute, subacute, and chronic. So it really depends on which form the patient has. But the acute type, which is associated with systemic lupus, erythematosus, the most important thing is to treat their manifestations of systemic lupus that are going to be life-threatening. So many times these patients are treated by rheumatologists or nephrologists with certainly prednisone and then any one of the numerous immunosuppressive drugs like azathioprine or mycophenolate mofetil. These do a great job. Many times they do a great job for the skin eruption. However, they do a better job for the systemic manifestations. So What we can do as dermatologists, for example, any photosensitivity rash or butterfly rash itself, is that we can offer topical therapy, most commonly in the form of topical steroids and newer agents called topical calcineurin inhibitors. There's two branded names. One is called Protopic and the other Elidil. Protopic tends to be more effective. It has a better vehicle and uh, it tends to be a smaller molecule so it penetrates the skin better. In addition, if you have isolated areas of cutaneous lupus, injecting these areas with triamcinolone is also very effective. A couple of systemic agents that we use in dermatology that really the rheumatologists don't use as much are antimalarials. Really, antimalarials don't do a lot for the uh, systemic manifestations of SLE. However, they do wonders for the skin. Now, these uh, agents originally were made to treat malaria, so it's interesting that they're effective for this, but we think it's anti-inflammatory effects of these drugs, and the principal one we use is Plaquenil, and we dose it 200 milligrams uh, twice a day. 
And a lot of patients do great with this. And, and that medicine is really used for all three types of lupus. Probably 70% of people do great on that. And if the 30% that don't respond to it, you can add an additional antimalarial quinacrine sort of in combination. And probably another 15% will respond to that. Very rarely we will use other systemic medications such as thalidomide and methotrexate for the non-responders. And of course, every patient with lupus should have some general measures that we offer to everyone. And the most important one is sun avoidance. We know all forms of lupus are incredibly sensitive to the sun. And so the first thing that we tell them is if if they can avoid being in the sun, certainly do that. And certainly between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. If they have to be in the sun, we encourage long sleeve clothing and a wide brim hat. And then, of course, sunscreens that provide both UVB and UVA protection. Just in the last five years, we've really just recently have developed new ultraviolet A blocking sunscreens. Prior to that, you know, what we commonly know as SPF, that's only a protection factor for ultraviolet B rays. And so now Neutrogena has a product called Helioplex, which is a photostabilizing something called avobenzone, which is a UVA blocker. And then the physical blockers such as titanium dioxide and zinc oxide are also very nice for these patients. So the UVA sunblock is worth it? It's a lot of money. (laughs) It is. If you only use the UVB sunscreens, which are the ones that are cheaper, you're only blocking essentially half the wavelengths of light in the ultraviolet range, well, at least between B and A. And although you can prevent burning with those, you really will not prevent flaring of lupus, nor other side effects of sun, such as skin cancer and photoaging. It really is important to use those. Okay, so certainly the lupus patients should spend extra money, and it sounds like maybe we all should. I think so. Do you know, are other companies coming out with different brand names of that? Maybe the price will come down? Certainly the most expensive one is one that was just approved called Mexeril. And it's been available in Europe for a long time, but just available in the last couple of months here. And it is very expensive, certainly for the amount to apply on all the areas that these patients would need to. The Neutrogena products are a little less expensive. However, they're still outside of some people's price ranges. Yeah, well, and just comparative to the other commercially available sunscreens, it seems expensive. Other issues in terms of treating cutaneous lupus for those of us that aren't dermatologists? Essentially, the topical therapies and the systemic therapies that I mentioned are the mainstays of therapy, and then the general measures such as sun avoidance. Another really important thing, since we use so so many antimalarials, is it's been shown that patients who smoke tend to respond less to antimalarials. It's also been shown that that smoking can increase the frequency of lupus. So it's really two good reasons to have these patients try to stop smoking. I'm sure that a lot of your listeners deal with this on a daily basis, trying to stop or get their patients to stop this addiction. What I've noticed, and it's very interesting about patients' motivation to stop, is that I can mention you know, emphysema and lung cancer, and it doesn't seem to be a reason why they'd want to, but I can tell them that their skin will look better and they 
are more apt to, so it's sort of interesting. Well, it's certainly becoming easier to help people stop smoking now with the medications that we have available. We've had really good luck with varenicline or Chantix in our patients that are ready to stop smoking, so it's getting better. That's good to hear. I've had a lot of luck with the lupus patients. Other patients, not so much. Yeah, well, clearly they should be highly motivated to stop. Sure. Anything else in terms of what non-dermatologists should know with respect to cutaneous lupus? What I would want to stress the most to your listeners is to refer these patients early. Certainly the chronic cutaneous lupus, which can be scarring, if these patients continue, you know, even a couple months with this disease, they can end up with lesions that they're going to be disfigured with for life. And if we can inject these or start treatment early, many times these will resolve without that sequelae. And then, as I mentioned before, just because these patients are being managed by rheumatology and nephrology, for example, you know, don't forget about the skin. And uh, if they need to see dermatology, please send them. I want to thank our guest today, dermatologist Dr. Brett Summy. We've been discussing cutaneous lupus. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. 